Let's turn to Jude. We hope we can finish up this evening. We looked at Jude's instructions for the believer as to how we can uh, uphold the faith that is once for all delivered to the saints. And he gives us some instruction. He gives us one command. He says, keep yourselves in the love of God. And he tells us how to do that. First, we're to do it by uh, studying the word of God, the word of grace, as he calls it, building up ourselves, edifying ourselves, equipping ourselves with the word of God. That's basic. Then number two, praying in the spirit, a prayer life that is uh, focused upon the work and the ministry of the spirit of God in our lives, depending upon him. To, um, to direct us as to how our prayers should be in keeping with the will of God. And then thirdly, it says, waiting anxiously or with anticipation for the appearance of Jesus Christ and the manifestation of the completion of his work in our lives. But then beginning at verse 22, he gives us three other commands or imperatives. Now it's up on the screen. Would you let's read those verses, just verses 22 and 23 at this time. Would you read those verses, please? Now, these are three commands here, all are imperatives. So the four commands he gives us. The first one is keep yourselves in the love of God. The second one is be merciful to those who doubt. The third is snatch those others from the fire and to others show mercy. Now he says when we obey these, we will then be able, we will then be equipping ourselves to um, contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. I want you to see that his focus is not only on knowing the word, but living it out in our lives. In fact, that's his focus with false teachers is not only what they preach, but is how they live as well. We need to be concerned about that. Now, in the context of Jude, this is a means of our contending for the faith by counteracting the activities of false teachers who infiltrate the church. If we do these things, we could, uh, in, we could equip ourselves to uh, guard against them. Now, each of these commands relate to a different category of individuals that we must reach out to touch for Christ with the gospel in these days in which we live. So these verses here for us is a ver ver these uh, presents a very important truth, is how we are to relate to different people in the kind of society in which we live, where the word of God is maligned, where the word of God is mixed with the word of man and presented as the word of God. How we are to live, that's what he's telling. How do we reach out for people in this kind of a situation. First, I believe he says that it's our relationship to sinning Christians, those who doubt. I believe the phrase here, those who doubt, refer to the young Christian, the immature Christian, those who are weak and wavering in the faith. As I mentioned in another message, these weak individuals, young in the faith, immature, are the ones who are most susceptible to false teaching. And in fact, these are the ones who are the usual target of religious opportunists 
and con men. They're like wild beasts going after their predators. Now, I'm sure that you have seen on Discovery Channels and the animal world and so on, how lions and different predators go after their prey when there's a lot of them as a herd. They know, never go after the strong ones. They wait until they can see a young one or a weak one, and they go after them. Those are the ones they prey upon. The same thing is true in the religious world. The false teachers go after those people who do not know the word properly, the young Christians perhaps, or those who are searching. And they offer them things that they feel that they want, they would like to have. And they go after, as a roaring lion, lion the Bible tells us, seeking those whom they may devour. This is why it's so important for us as the people of God in a local community like this to teach our people the word of God, you see, and to provide the opportunities for our people to be equipped. And we need to thank God for Calvary Bible Church. Our Sunday schools have strong teachers of the word. The Bible is studied. You have preachers here who proclaim the word. The opportunities that are made for you to know the word and learn how to study the word of God. That's the way that you can protect yourself and you can mature in the faith. So you'll be able to uh, defend yourself uh, from the false teachers. You'll be able to discern truth from error when you hear it being preached to you day after day. Now, how do we relate to these young Christians who are seeing to be caught up in this stuff? He says, be merciful. Don't be judgmental. Don't condemn them. We are to reach out to them with love and compassion and understanding. We should be willing to spend time with them and teaching them the word of God. We should be willing to listen to their questions and give them answers based on the word of God. That's what he's saying here, that we should be merciful. We should be caring and compassionate to those who are weak in the faith, who are young in the faith. When questions are asked, we have to be careful how we answer. And I have to be careful because many times I've been slapped down for this. Uh, we, we don't condemn anybody or judge anybody for, or make them look small when they ask a question. But we should be willing to answer, take time to answer questions from young people. I try to do that in my own life. I try to be open to young people, to young believers as much as possible. Because for some reason or another, a lot of the young people seem to be scared of me. Why do you think that is Dawn? Dawn says she is too. But anyway. No, but no, truly, I try to be because those are the ones who need help. Because those are the ones that the false teachers are going after, you see. And so Jude says, be merciful to those who doubt. They're not sure. They're questioning. They're searching, you see. So take time to be with them. But then secondly, he says, with others, this is others number one, because he calls two others, 
and the sort of a scale or level he's going here, this is, uh, I call these others number one. Jude says we are to snatch them from the fire in order to save them. Now this is a very, this passage and the other one is a little difficult. But I believe that when Jude wrote this, it's possible that he had in mind the story of Lot. Here. You know that story. The angels literally snatched them from the fire, from Sodom and Gomorrah. But the point is, God did send the angels to deliver them. Although it was a sinful place, although Lot should not have been there, But yet, God reached out to them to save them, to save him. They had to be literally snatched from the fiery judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah. And Jude is referring to what we might call sometimes the hardened sinner. Those who are, as it were, right on the brink of hell. They know they're sinning. They know they're doing wrong, but they won't get out. You see? Now, he says we've got to snatch them. Why? Because they're so close to the edge. You see, this gives us a sense of urgency of sharing the gospel in the times in which we live for our loved ones or our friends who are caught up in erroneous doctrine. What Jude is trying to get us to see that in a, a, a society, in a culture uh, where there's so much erroneous teaching, we have to have a certain kind of urgent attitude and sensitivity to what's around us. We just can't say, well, that's the way it is. That's being prophesied. Can't do anything. No, 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 no. We've got to buy up every opportunity to share the truth with those who are going after error. And in, with these individuals, these are people that perhaps we say we shouldn't have anything to do with whatsoever. But they're the ones who need our help because they're so close to destruction. In this case now, we are to be firm and direct, we are to be compassionate and loving, yet not compromising. I believe that this group here include those who have already fallen prey to the false teachers and probably even regard those wolves in sheep clothing as their spiritual fathers and mentors. They accept their false doctrine as the true word of God. Paul says, listen, we are to seek to win them back to Christ and the truth as revealed in the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. In other words, we need what we say today to witness to them. This witness is not just condemning them. It's being firm. It's being to the point. And it's being truthful and honest. But we're doing it with a sense of urgency. We're doing it with love and compassion as well. So Jude is saying to us that, hey, be aware of the culture in which you live and the kind of people that you find there. You have to know how to relate to each one. Each one is on a different level, as it were. Relationship with the Word of God. We have to be able to meet them on their level. Then he gives a third group. Verse 
And this is the most dangerous to the soul-winning Christian. And so he says to these, we are to show mercy. He said that before. But now he adds something. We are to show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. These people we got to be scared to touch. But Jeffrey must touch them. But we got to touch them in the way that we don't get tainted ourselves. See, some people get the crazy idea, well, you know, uh, my friend is a druggie. And I believe that the only way I can win him, I got to take drugs too. Now you say, nobody that foolish? Yes, they are. The only way I could reach my friend who drinks, I got to go and drink with him. Meaning you drink the same thing. Jude is saying, be careful with that. These individuals say, yes, you must reach out to them, but do it with godly fear. Paul gives us the same admonition in Galatians 6. He talks about the brother who has fallen. He said, we are to go to that person and we are to restore them with being careful that we don't get mixed up in the same sin that the person that we're trying to restore is mixed up with. He says, watch yourself, lest you also fall, is what he's saying. We have to be wise, not foolish, in dealing with these kinds of people. Now, I believe that he's talking even about the false teachers themselves here. I think Jude is saying here, you got to be on double duty here when it comes to these folk. I'm facing something like that right now. There's a friend of mine, and there's no doubt in my mind, and he's a, quite a popular preacher. But in my mind, my understanding of scripture, he's preaching error, heresy. Now, I am feeling more and more a burden to go to this person to confront him with that. You see? But it's going to take some doing to do, and because he, he falls into this category here. Because he's probably smarter than I am. I know he's richer than I am. <laughs> he's more popular than I am. Not that I'm popular at all. But he's a friend. And I feel that I need to confront him, or at least to talk to him about the teaching that he's using to accumulate so much wealth and so much fame and fortune. It says, reach out with the truth, but be careful you do not become contaminated with the evil doctrine. You see, because he's so intelligent, so charismatic, maybe I'll fall for the teaching myself if I get too close. I'm struggling with that, so I'm asking you to pray for me in that area. Because someone called me the other night to ask about that. What do I think about the teaching? Another close friend who's another preacher. Because he wants to get involved with him. So I had to warn him, says, no way. You say, but I say, but now before you tell him I told you that, let me tell him that. <laughs> you see. But anyway, 
what he means here is that to reach these kind of individuals, we must be mature in the faith ourselves, knowing how to handle the word of God so as to be able to discern between good and evil, truth and error. Not everybody could open our doors and ask the uh, Jehovah's Witness to come in and explain what they have to say. Why? Because they're trained. That's why they're knocking on your door. And if you don't know the word, you could fall in to the error and accept it yourself. See, this is what he's talking about here. That's why it's important for us to handle the word and to get used to it, as the writer of the Hebrew says, so that we'll be able to discern truth from error. So not all of us could deal with these kind of people. Otherwise, we would get contaminated with error ourselves. This brings us back to the first thing that, Paul, that Jude talks about, knowing the Word of God. And I've, I have emphasized this again and again and again, and I will do it again and again and again, because this is so essential for the Christian life, knowing the Word of God. And so I say to you, if you know that you are not well grounded in the word, watch out who you try to talk with or to deal with in this era. You might only be able to deal with the first one or the second one, but not this level. That's just the way it is. Don't open yourself to being contaminated or caught in false doctrine if you are not yourself convinced that you know the word of God. But... If you do know the word and you're confident in, the, in your trust in the Spirit of God and, and your dependence upon Him to help you to use the sword of the Spirit properly, then we have the obligation to try to win these individuals by pointing them to the truth, the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. We have an obligation to that in order to deliver them and to protect them from false doctrine. Now, Chara asked the um, question, what do we mean by snatch them from the fire? Well, there are two ways we can look at this. One, we could see it just as an expression, just as a, just as a figure of speech to show how desperate it is. I tend to go that way. But you could also go to the point, hey, you might be delivering this soul from hell as well. I think they go hand in hand here. But I think it's a figure of speech saying this is desperate time. It's urgent for us to do it. And we need to realize that. But when we come to some of them, we cannot put our hand in the fire unless that hand is protected with something that protects us from the fire, which is the word of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is very important here. Now, these are the commands. Keep yourself in the love of God, he tells us here in here. He says uh, that we are to uh, have mercy on some who are doubting. We are to snatch some from the fire who are in order, who, in order to save them. Others, we are to be afraid even to go near to them unless we are sure that we are protected ourselves. This is how we are to relate to people in these days. Now this sets it up as a very difficult thing to do, isn't it? Isn't it? 
If we're going to be faithful to this and keep ourselves in the love of God, it's a difficult thing to do. That's why Jude closes his book with these tremendous words. Probably some of the most wonderful words expressed anywhere in Scripture, this benediction. Jude tells us very clearly in this magnificent doxology with which he closes his epistle, who it is that we must depend upon and who it is that we have backing us as it were. He says, to him, in fact, we have that. Let's read that together, please. And let's read it as though we believe it. To him, Amen. Isn't that a wonderful, wonderful promise? Notice, it says, to him who's able to keep you from falling. You see, that's our challenge in the situation in which we live, the culture in which we live, to fall. Remember, he also, Paul warns us, he who stands, who think he stands, take heed lest he also what? Fall. That's when we depend upon ourselves. That's why praying in the Spirit and having that relationship with the Spirit is so important. Having relationship with the Word, having relationship with the Spirit of God, we need that kind of relationship before we have relationship with the world. Or else we fall. So Jude takes us back to Him. This is the triune God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is able to keep us from falling. And He's the only one who's able to do it. Today, we face all kinds of demonic challenges. And there's a lot of people who talk about spiritual warfare and that they can just claim things and wish people away and all kinds of stuff like that. I think they can do it themselves because they have authority given to them. Then you know why the Bible tells me? He says, resist the devil and what will happen? But that's not where the passage begins. The passage begins with what? Submit yourself to God. Then resist the devil and he will be free. See, but we like to start with the resisting part before the submitting part. And we need to be so in subjection to the triune God that we know his will, we understand how he's working and we are completely dependent upon him. God is the one who's able to keep us from falling prey to the godless man Jude warns us about and to keep us from being contaminated by the evil teachings. To the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority. See, that's a relationship. We know that there's no other God but Him. He's the only one who is worthy of our worship He's the only one who is worthy of our complete submission. That's the one that we must submit ourselves to. And when we do that, the devil can throw all his arsenals at us and we'll be able to stand. Jude's doxology then 
is a clarion call to us to worship our sovereign and glorious God through his son Jesus Christ who is the effulgence of his glory we to worship him that's the key that's the key to contending for the faith once for all delivered to the saints being a worshiper of God the triune God and being in tune with him at all times God is seeking those who would worship him in spirit and in what truth that truth is found in the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints so in closing then our study here let me ask you something do you really worship him at all times Worship has to do with submission, recognizing that the one we worship is greater than we are, and we are subject to him on an ongoing basis. We worship God by showing our complete obedience to his word and to his will. When we refuse to obey his word, when we refuse to uh, uh, follow what he's given us in his word, we're not worshiping. When we don't give thanks to God, we're not worshiping. In fact, that's the sin that God says in Romans 1 that caused him to give up the, the pagans, those who refuse to worship him to their own way. They refuse to give him thanks. Now, if you're here and you've never submitted yourself to the triune God, I invite you to do that tonight. Because that's where life, real life begins. That's where eternal life begins. That's where abundant life begins. Acknowledging that you're a sinner, that Jesus died for you and was raised again. Seated now at God's right hand and you worship him because of who he is and what he's done for you. Now if you're a Christian, how well do you know the word of God? You say, Pastor Lee, you've asked me not a dozen times a day. Well, here's the 13th time. How well do you know the Word of God? Do you study it? Or do you just depend upon this that you get here in the mornings, the evenings, what you get at Sunday school, and what you get at the TV? That's not sufficient. Those things are good. Well, some of the things you get on TV is good. But that's not sufficient. Suppose I would say to you, boy, I love the food you have. And I want to have some. So I'm coming to your house tonight. But you have a good friend, a close friend of mine. And I really, he's a good guy. So what I want you to do, I want you to feed the food to him that you're going to feed to me. And then when I come, I'm going to eat the food that he ate. Would you do that? You say that's stupid. But that's how we live the Christian life. I'm going to get my food tonight. Where am I going to get it from? That famous preacher. That good looking preacher. Alan? Yeah, Alan, come on. Alan say, I'm good looking. Alan say, I'm good looking. I'm going to get my spiritual food from him. 
What am I giving you now? I am giving you information from the Word of God that I have digested myself. Now that's all right, spiritually speaking. But it'd be better if you go and get it yourself. You understand what I'm saying? You feel better. Some of the most wonderful feelings you could have or experiences is when you go to the Word and the Spirit of God illuminates your mind so you understand something that you've never understood before. You've understand it in a stiff... I mean, you, that's a feeling, that's the glow you get. I'm telling you. It's really amazing. That's why I'm backing off from studying late in the night anymore. Because sometimes I get scared. Now, I'm not, this is not a joke. This is true. Sometimes as I get into the text late in the night, and I start to understand it as the Spirit of God brings it, I got to back away. Because so much truth is saying I can't take it. Lord, you got to stop it. Sometimes I look around. You know, what's his name? Uh, uh, Martin Luther he used to talk to the devil. In fact, there's a story about Martin Luther actually taking his inkwell and throwing it at the devil while he's studying. Well, I have the opposite. Sometimes I feel like the Holy Spirit or God is right there as I read the scriptures over my shoulders. And I'm afraid to look around because I might see him. That's the kind of feelings you really get when you get into the word. You engulfed, as it were, in the word. And the word is truth. It's a sphere of the word. It's a spiritual endeavor. Spiritual experience. That's what we need. Do you study the word? You need to do that. If you don't know how to do it, find out. You have people who can teach you. You got this genius over here, the senior youth pastor. Our pastor's here. Talios is there. To teach you how to study the word. You need that in these days in which we live. Are you living with the anticipation of seeing Jesus Christ? Are you living with that expectation that you want to see him? Do you actually experience a time when you yearn to see Jesus Christ? Well, you said we got so caught up in the rat race. Well, I remember Howard Hendricks used to say, he says, you all talk about rat race. I'll never get in the rat race. Why? Because I ain't no rat. There's only rats who go in a rat race. We get so caught up. We push aside the most important things. And in this case, it's our relationship with Jesus Christ with the triune God. And that communion with him causes us to be able to 
experience what it means to pray in the Spirit, in the sphere of the Spirit, and to have that assurance that He is praying for us, the will of God. What are you doing about sharing the faith with the people around you, your family, your friends? Do you realize we're living in desperate times? Spiritually speaking? And perhaps your loved one is just waiting for you to snatch them from the edge? Do you have a concern for them? I've committed now myself, especially with computers, that sending a little note around to my family, all of my family members, sharing the gospel, just what it means to be a Christian and how a person can become a Christian. I take opportunities when they send me these forwarding emails, emails, especially with the one that, and if you don't send this somebody else, <laughs> where you going to end up? I take opportunities that I can send it back to them and explain the truth here. Turn it around to share the gospel. That's what Jude is talking about. Be aware of the circumstances, the culture, in which you find yourself. So many people are maligning and disregarding and misusing the faith that was once for all the live it to the saints. He says, keep yourselves in the love of God. Know the word of God. Be praying fervently. Be anticipating the Lord's return. And while you're doing this, try to snatch from bit, from the edge, those who are being led astray by the false teaching that is going on. That's the way Jude says that we could contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. And so, like Paul, I commend you to God and the word of his grace because there's nothing else Nothing, nothing better that I could mend you to. And I say with you, to him who's able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. And all of God's people said, Amen. Please stand with me as we close in prayer. Father, we want to thank you for your word tonight. We want to thank you for your promise that you will Bring about that purpose for which you send it forth. So we thank you that right now your word is finding good soil in the hearts of those who've heard. We thank you that good fruit will come, not because of the one who preached the word, 
but because of the word and the one who gave the word. Help us, our Father, to sense the urgency of the time so that you might draw us closer to ourselves and motivate us to reach out in a greater way to those who do not know Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.